Welcome to Fresh Coast Jazz Backstage, the show that gives you a chance to hang with today's top contemporary jazz artists. I'm your host, Carl Brown. Welcome to the show, everyone. Uh, Today's guest is living on top of the contemporary jazz world right now. This Atlanta-based pianist, composer, released her debut album, Love In Your Eyes, back in 1992. And since then, she has created several songs that have made their way to the smooth jazz charts. She's received several accolades and awards, including Artist of the Year nomination, both in 2019 and 2020. Her new single, Paradigm Shift, is off off of her latest album, Magic Mirror, is number one right now on all the smooth jazz charts. Please welcome to the show today, Carol Albert. Carol, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure. First of all, congratulations on the success of Magic Mirror and Paradigm Shift. Thank you. It's something I've really only thought about in the past. I've gotten really close, several fours and, you know, number fives, kind of inching my way up. It's nice to have that kind of support and always try to give back to my listeners and to see what I can do to help, you know, the stations with IDs and try to give back to the jazz world. Yeah, that's cool. You're not just one number one on like billboard or smooth jazz. You're on number one on everything right now at Paradigm Shift. So like, you're like owning it right now. That's got to feel pretty good. (laughs) Yes. It it feels really, really shocking, a wide sweep on all the charts. And I'm just very appreciative, you know, for the amount of support I got. Just hopefully, you know, just keep continuing. Yeah. Yeah. I got to tell you the first time I heard it was a couple of weeks ago and I'm I was doing something in my house and I heard it and I didn't have my phone in my hand. I had my Sonos playing in my house. And so I heard and I'm like, oh, my God, who, who is this? What? This is awesome. You know, and so I, I ran to my phone and found it was you. I really when I first heard it, I thought I honestly thought to myself, is this was this one of those Bob James and Earl Clue collaborations that I missed out on somehow? Right. It, it really harkened back to me to some of that great music that they created. Well, thank you. That's a huge compliment. Yeah. Yeah. Did you think this song would be well received? Like when you guys were, I know you were working with Paul Brown on this one. Like when you guys were in the lab and the studio creating it, were you kind of like, oh yeah, we got, we got something on our hands. Or were you just like, well, we like this one. We're going to put this out there and see what happens. I mean, truly, you never know. Yeah. I mean, you think kind of like ho-hum, and I've just gotten to a place of just no judgment. It's like kind of the suggestion of these Gorov music promotions, and mm-hmm. they picked out what kind of went with that. Okay, cool, cool. So you're classically trained, and I hear that in your music, but I also hear lots of other influences. Tell us about the other genres of music that have influenced your sound and how you go about the process of making your music. You know, I really like a lot of different kinds of music. Mm -hmm. I've always loved, you know, of course, Sade and Stevie Wonder. I can go way back. I've liked some of the, you know, the talking heads and just I have a really wide variety of music that I can just listen to over and over again. It's like, wow, that's just really. And of course, I'm not really naming them all because I can't think about them all. Listen to McCoy Tyner and of course, you know, Chick Corea and, you know, Elton John and, you know, just a wide range that's great. That's one thing I find about the successful artists that I talk to is that they are all just students of music, period, right? So many of them, they listen to so many different types of music. They study so many different types of music. And it's cool because for us as fans, we get to be the beneficiaries of all of that time spent listening and studying because it definitely does come through and it makes for some really unique sounds, just like in it, with your music. 
yeah, I, I love listening to different kinds of music. I mean, and I still do. It's like, wow, listen to that. Let me listen to that a few times. Uh-huh. And not necessarily jazz. You know, it can be whatever. That's fantastic. So Magic Mirror marks, to my count, your eighth album. Ninth album. It's your ninth album. Okay, okay. So that's a lot of work. And, you know, since 1992, when you released your first album. So where does your inspiration come from for these different projects? Is it, you know, does it come from life experiences? Does it come from other things? How do you, when you begin a project, kind of, you know, where are you pulling that from? A lot of different ways. I've actually dreamed of music. My grandmother used to dream of music and then played the piano, but it was all by ear. And she would get up and play it, just had ideas. I'd be driving the car. It's like, I'll just hear something that's like, oh, I got to get home so I can put that on my piano or traveling. I've gotten a lot of ideas when I've traveled just because I guess you're out of daily life and your mind's more clear and free or just, you know, from being really quiet and just kind of going, you know, being introspective quite Mm -hmm. frequently too. I'll have something that just kind of, I just hear in my mind, and so there's a lot of different ways. Yeah, yeah. So you said you're kind of like, is, does the process start for you once that idea comes? Like you rush into your piano, and like what's the process once the idea hits you? Well, I try to get the ideas down one way or the other, either just put it on my iPhone or you know, back in the day, cassette recorder, or just jotting down, like I have written vocals and I've recorded vocals, just jotting down the words. And of course, I have lots and lots of things that never made it off, you know, out of my notebook or off of my my iPhone. But I frequently, I'll go back and I'll take a little piece of an idea, then I'll find another piece of an idea. So it's process. Yeah, I can imagine that to have put out nine albums so far. I got to imagine that there's probably just tons and tons and tons of ideas and songs that that are still sitting somewhere (laughs) that never quite made it to an album, right? To get to nine albums, you probably probably have enough material for 25 albums. I have recorded things that are still, that haven't been, you know, publicly released. And I kind of sometimes kick around the idea of maybe Mm re-recording those things and putting them out, you know, nice to kind of have that as an option. But I try to stay fresh. I try to, you know, stay with, you know, relevant today and, Mm -hmm. you know, using the best of the best. I've really worked great players. I've really been very, very lucky to have worked with so many fabulous engineers and other peers Mm -hmm. and co-produced many things, produced some myself. And I think it's really important to surround yourself by really gifted people because they bring more to the table as well. So do you set goals for your projects? Like, you know, when you're going into a new project, are you like, you know, I want to, you know, have this many, you know, streams or I want to have it reach this level of charts? Or do you just chasing the music you want to make and then putting it out, letting it happen? You know, I, in the beginning of a project, I just kind of start one song at a time and I don't really, if I feel like if I get bogged down with that kind of stuff, Mm -hmm. that never will get anywhere. I I don't really think about that. I think about how can I be an artist? How can I, you know, really make this song the best it can be? And a lot of my songs are like that. And some of them have really liked that I never thought would get out, you know, the front door and like stronger now was really received so amazingly well. 
And I never thought that would be go to radio even. I never thought the promoters would want to promote it or the radio stations would play it. For me, I never thought that. And I don't really get bogged down with that stuff because I think it stops any creativity if you start think about that. So where were you the first time you heard one of your songs on the radio? I was in a Chinese restaurant, <laughs> and they were playing the radio, and I heard one of my songs. This was some time back, uh-huh. and it was just really cool. It was totally cool moment. I bet it was. I bet it was. Well, that is fantastic. Well, let's take a listen to that great new song that's taken the contemporary jazz world by storm. This is Paradigm Shift.
that was Paradigm Shift from today's guest, Carol Albert, her new number one hit. So I read that that song, Carol, was a bit of a nod to learnings and experiences coming out of the pandemic. Is that true? I felt like for myself that I had really had a lot of time to reflect and I had really started to do things differently and I started to look at things differently. You know, I was meditating more, was reading more. And this song was a different thing. It was really a little bit different for me, just music, you know, good radio friends say, well, Carol, this song's really different from your other stuff. And it's like, well, you know, as an artist, you and of course, I had uh, Shane Thoreau and, and Paul Brown and myself. We worked on it. We co-wrote it. And so working with different writers always kind of brings kind of an opening. So then after we recorded it, I was in California in the studio recording it. I went out to beach with a friend and was watching the surfers. And just it just felt like it was the perfect day. It was like, you know, gee, I just wish I could feel this good all the time. And so that phrase came up in my mind and really stuck. You know, it just felt like such a shift for me in my state of mind. And so that's why I named it Paradigm Shift. So how did your musical journey begin, Carol? Did you know you begin at a young age? Did you know you wanted to be a musician when you were young or it's just something I just always did. I started playing the piano by ear. Then I started taking lessons in elementary school. And I just, you know, the teachers would always say, oh, listen to her. And, you know, reading music was never hard for me. You know, I teach now. And for a lot of students, reading is a challenge. But it was never, it's like I already knew how to read music. And I, it was just never an issue. Okay. And also read. And then I studied in college. And I never thought that I would be a recording artist. When I went to college, I thought, well, I'll just teach. Then I studied degree in performance and in education and actually looked for education jobs when I graduated. And a good thing that happened to me is that I was passed over for a lot of full-time positions. It was a good thing for me because then I ended up going in a different direction, a completely different direction of playing in clubs with different groups and different people and uh-huh. became a full-time professional musician. Okay, okay. If you weren't doing music, what do you think you'd be doing as a career? I don't know. Yeah, okay. Else. okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just never look back. That's a great thing, though. Just never look back. That's awesome. So, but we're glad you chose music. Let's listen to another one of your songs. How about uh, we take a listen to Gemini Sun?
everyone. You just heard today's guest, Carol Albert, with her song, Gemini Sun. So you are in Atlanta currently. Are you a, a native of Atlanta? Well, I am a native of Georgia, Okay. outside of Atlanta, which is now a suburb. When I was growing up, it was very rural, very farm-oriented. So I've always lived in Georgia. Okay, okay. I tell you, the, the music scene is certainly, that's a hotbed for music these days, and that's changed over the years, hasn't it? Yes, there's a lot of movies going on. I haven't been really active because I, I live in a suburb with a movie industry, but there's, you know, a lot of things going on, and they're trying to do more with production and post-production of music, you know, with those movies instead of taking it back to L.A. or New York for post-production. So there's a lot shifting and going on with that a lot of different kinds mm -hmm. of music going on yeah yeah do you get a chance do you tip your toe in, in the atlanta area do you tip your toe in playing with other folks that might be in in town uh on occasion um i have on occasion i'm kind of homebody i really and of course with covid i, I really don't go out a lot before covid i was working all the time so yeah. here's someone or I was usually either performing or had a job myself. So I don't get to hear other people as much as I would like to. Yeah. So, Carol, we have this segment that we do on each show. It's called Bout It or Doubt It. If you're about it, it's something that you like. If you doubt it, it's something that you're, you're not down with. So can we get you to play that little game with us today? Sure, I'll try. All righty. I started this body body. If you body, get them up. I mean you body body. I mean you body body. I represent. I doubt it. All right, Carol. So we're going to spin the wheel and get you a category, and then we're going to ask you a couple about it or doubt it questions. All right. All right, Carol. Your category for today is holiday movies. All right. Mm-hmm. All right. About it or doubt it. Elf. About it. About it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Do you get into the holiday movie thing? Is that something that you and your family do or? Yeah. I, I love holiday movies. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I would have to say Elf is one of my favorite holiday movies as well. I, I read something somewhere that Will Ferrell didn't think he could pull that, that role off and was hesitant to do the movie at first. It's hysterical. I've watched that movie probably, you know, with kids. I don't know how many times I've watched it, you know. Yeah, it is. It's one of those that you can just keep watching over and over again, and it's still funny. You know what's going to happen, but it's still funny. All right, how about we ask you one more? About it or doubt it? How the Grinch stole Christmas? Uh, about it. About it, okay, okay. Yeah, I never got in. I see the movie. I couldn't get into the movie as much as the old animation, you know? Like, for me, it's not... It's not the holiday season. For me, a couple things have to happen before it really feels like the holiday season. I got to watch the old animation of How a Grinch Stole Christmas. And I got to hear Donny Hathaway's This Christmas and James Brown's Santa Claus Come Straight to the Ghetto. If I don't hear those then, and see that, you know, then it's not quite Christmas for me just yet, you know? So I'm not as crazy about Jim Carrey's How the Grinch Stole Christmas, but I do love, like you said, the animation. Yeah. And I still love it. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing how, and you look at some of those things now, it's amazing how technology is so far advanced from a, an animation standpoint, but how those things are still captivating and you still want to watch them. So, so that's cool. So you've played a lot of the big jazz festivals and the big venues. Is there, what's it like being on the road for you when you're out touring? Well, I did more touring 
I was traveling, went to Europe and went to Sweden and Germany mm-hmm. and out of France. And I did a cruise ship for 10 weeks. Oh, wow. You know, just going for a weekend, which is pretty much these days. And the times that I was touring in Europe was really a great time. I always call it the best and the worst. The best happens and the worst happens too. Is always something really crappy with traveling. I can't think of anything specific. Yeah, yeah. I, do you find a difference in terms of European audiences versus American audiences in terms of you know, how it is to play for them or how they receive your music? I found European audiences very, very receptive, especially to all kinds of music and very full of gratitude and appreciative. And they would still play stuff that would blow my mind. Like they would ask for, hey, do you know any Elvis or do you know any Beatles? It's like that was so long ago, but they still play, you know, this music that's timeless. For the United States, it's always the latest, greatest, you know, what's new. Yeah, yeah. Are there places that you haven't played that you're hoping to play soon that are on your bucket list? Yes, I'd love to play Seabreeze Jazz Festival. I would love mm-hmm. more. And uh, I did Catalina Jazz Tracks, just a, a fabulous venue. And I would love to play some more venues up north. Maybe Carnegie Hall. I don't know. It might be too stuffy. I did play at the Smith Center in Las Vegas. I'd love to go back out there and maybe some on the the West Coast venues. Yeah, you mentioned Catalina. I tell you, anyone who's listening who has not had a chance to make it to the Catalina Jazz Tracks Festival, boy, that is one that you should put at the top of your list. You know, it's a beautiful old theater, and it's just a great, great setting for jazz and and really for just, just enjoying yourself. It's absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, I mean, it's what's not to love, you know. It's uh, the island, the ferry ride over, the venues, fabulous, you know, great people. So what do you like before you go on stage when you're doing a gig? Are you just concentrating, a little nervous, or just excited? What's going on in your head and your heart when you just before you go on stage to perform? Just try to take deep breaths, try to relax, kind of, you know, usually I think about my first tune. And, you know, what I'm going to say first and, you know, because once I get past like the first part, then it all kind of flows, you know, just try to not just try to relax mostly. Yeah. And when you're out on stage, are you paying attention to the audience or are you kind of focus in and does it does the audience, do they impact your show or not? Or are you just kind of focus in on, you know, on playing that what you've got on your set list and what's in your what's in your head? Well, I think having a receptive audience is always the best way to go. I've played my show. It was just kind of a different setting and maybe the people were more interested in eating and talking and you get a lot more energy from like a place where like Catalina where they're sitting in the seat and they're just totally focusing music and that you get a lot of energy from you know the audience and just connect more. So on a daily, weekly basis, how much time do you spend practicing your craft? It varies. Some days I'll spend, you know, a couple of hours. Some days I'll be writing a song and it's like, you know, five or six hours. Other days I won't practice at all. It's like, oh, I should have, you know, at least done some, you know, finger exercises. And when you're not making music, how do you like to spend your time? 
I like to go hiking. I've always been kind of an outdoors person. Okay. I'm a sporadic gardener. Okay. I'm not a devoted gardener. I go through spurts with that. I like to just do things like with friends or family and just generally kind of a change of scenery from music most of the time. So when you're gardening, what is it that you're growing? Well, I have different years. I've grown different things. Of course, living in the South, you have to grow some tomatoes. And I've tried watermelon, and I actually got a couple of watermelon. And I have some fruit trees in my back. A couple of years, I got a lot of apples, and I was peeling apples and freezing them, and pears as well. Gave a lot of things away and grown you know, squash and yeah, I've grown a lot of different kinds of vegetables, asparagus, just, you know, but like I said, every year is different. Yeah. It sounds like you kind of know what you're doing though, because I tried gardening and have never been successful. (laughs) I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know why I'm never successful, but just not good at it. But it sounds like you're making some stuff happen. Well, I grew up on a farm and my dad had us out there planting with him and he had, you know, fairly sizable when we were growing up. And we got a lot of our food from the garden and my mother would can it or freeze it. So I learned a lot of things, you know, things from that. It's a lot of hard work. Yeah, it is. Just kind of my little area, my little, the beds in the back. I have some raised beds and the biggest thing, I have some blueberries, but trying to, you know, it's always a maintenance thing of trying to put nets out so that the blueberries or the rabbits don't come eat or planted some lettuce and I quickly have to keep the rabbits and the squirrels out. So, you know, it's like you have to go, well, do I like the wildlife more or do I like my garden more? I, you know. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, Carol, what advice would you give your 13-year-old self about life? I've been, you know, listening to some podcasts. I guess, you know, everything is periodic, but I guess the biggest thing is expectations. Other people as much as is expectations of myself, and I've always put a lot of pressure on myself. I'm still in music and where I am professionally, but I would say, you know, it's okay to not put so much pressure that it's all about progress. And, you know, I always felt like I had to be perfect. And, you know, of course, none of us are perfect. And so striving for perfection really can, it's just, you never, you're never going to win because it's not perfection. And I think that's the biggest lesson is to put yourself in a position where you can keep making progress, you can keep learning, and you can keep growing. And so I think that's really, really wise advice. I mean, I think that whole notion of chasing perfection is one of the things that I think has tripped up a lot of people. And I think you make a really, really good point that there it's a false goal, really, because there is no perfection. But this notion of making progress and getting a little bit better each time, that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, let's take a listen to one more of your songs. This is Soul Ipanema.
you just heard Soli Panema from today's guest, Carol Albert. So, Carol, do you remember the first concert you ever went to see? The first concert I ever went to see was Yes. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Do you remember what album they were supporting? I don't remember that, but I remember it was at the Fox Theater in Atlanta. I went to see Yes, and it just blew me away. You know, it's like, wow. Well, see, we have that in common. It wasn't my first, but I went to see them for the first time I saw them. They were supporting their 90125 album. And I had the same kind of thing. I was just like, I'm sitting in the audience, and I really wasn't that familiar with their music. A friend took me, and I was like, sure, I'll go. And I was just absolutely floored by the quality of their musicianship. That was one of the most fun concerts I've ever been to. That's awesome. So do you get a chance to go see others perform much now or that you're in the industry or? For the longest time, you know, I'm, I'm usually working or doing, you know, performance myself. So I get out when I have the opportunity to see, you know, some other professionals. That's great. That's great. Who have you seen recently play? Recently, who have I seen? Well, I, you know, I played at the Burks Festival last spring. The women in jazz and, you know, Selena Albright and Lindsay Webster. And of course, they're my friends and some other great, you know, performers who Keiko Matsui and went to the Seabreeze Festival and saw, again, some really, really great performers. You know, it's just really, really fun people. Yeah, I'm looking for, I am, this weekend, I'm going down to Chicago, which is just about 90 miles south of Milwaukee, to see Kirk Whalem. And really looking forward to that. And that's one of my all-time favorite things to do is to go to a concert and, and hear some live music. So that good for you. It sounds like you've gotten a chance to enjoy some really good shows. And Seabreeze, you mentioned Seabreeze as, a, as one that, an event that you'd like to play at some point in time. You know, I've, I've never been to that festival, but I've heard so many great things about it. What is it about it that makes you want to have that on your list of places where you want to play? Well, it's really a festival. I mean, it's like four or five days, well-equipped with great music. And they have this huge lawn area that people sit. It really feels like a festival. Huge crowds there just to hear the music. And it's a lot of fun. Yeah, that's great. I'm going to have to get that one on my list of events to, to attend myself. So, Carol, going to put you on the spot here. Can you tell us your three favorite albums of all time? My three favorite albums of all time. I think Stevie Wonder probably would hit all three spots, but okay. I have to pick one. The Keys. Songs in the Key of Life? Yeah, Songs in the Key of Life. Over and over and over, just over and over again. Yeah, that's one of my faves too. And as soon as I get off the phone, it's going to hit me. But <laughs> so many. I mean, always, of course, Sade, you know, her. Yeah. And I like Basha a lot, too. When her Time After Tide album, I think I really played that. Uh -huh. But there was some great instrumental music before that that I really played a lot. And I think I became like Quincy Jones. Again, just so many that I, I mean, I, I did listen to a lot of Stevie Wonder, a lot of Elton John. Yeah, I could easily waste a day listening to Stevie Wonder. So much great music. So, Carol, you're having a dinner party, and you can invite any three people, living or deceased. Who's coming to your dinner party, and what's on the menu? Wow, who's coming to dinner? Gosh, that is really a tough question. I would have Elton John, uh -huh. and I would have, oh my gosh, now that's put me on the spot. There's so many choices. Uh -huh. I'd probably ask, I'd probably bold and ask Stevie Wonder and just, you know, pick his brain. And go. he's so, and both of those artists are so friendly from what I hear. I've never really 
personally met either one of them. And who else would I invite? I don't know. I, I think those two could hold a party down pretty well by themselves, you know? Not just great artists, but both are fantastic personalities, you know? What would I have? I'd probably serve steak if they eat red meat. Some nice filet mignons and probably a little asparagus. And I'd probably make my homemade specialty carrot cake. Ah, another hidden talent, huh? So you're a baker as well? I'm a sporadic baker, but, you know, I make a really, you know, good carrot cake. I, I make good pies. So I used to bake more, but I still have those that I make special things. That's awesome. So what special stuff do you bake for the holidays? Well, I try to make an apple pie or carrot cake. Mm -hmm. Then I'll, I like to make like a filet mignon, like a a beef tenderloin filet Mm -hmm. and not a full one, unless I'm having a lot of people, but it's just kind of special. I don't enjoy like turkey and ham as much because I don't know. I just kind of go for more kind of real special things. Yeah, my wife shares your affinity for um, some of those same items. She holidays there's always tenderloin and there's always her the carrot cake that she makes. So I I'm with you in those things. They are they are they, those are some things that also make it feel like the holidays as well. So I got you on that completely. So what are you gonna do in 2023 to follow up all this great success you're having here at the end of 2022? Are you just gonna be able to enjoy and bask in all this great success and Or you got other plans for new music on the horizon? With my ninth album, I I feel like that I can't stop. So I'm going to keep writing. And, you know, I don't put an album together in a month. I mean, sometimes things, I'll stew on it for a while. I just got a new Mac studio. I just ordered that. So I'm, I'm real excited about, I work with a lot of synthesizer sound modules that, I like to use I want to try to use more on my 10th album so I'm gonna keep going and I hope to travel a little bit I'm not sure where or how maybe do a few trips and like to go overseas again sometime in 2020 well I would not be surprised if all those things happen for you given the success that you're having Carol so it is we really appreciate the fact that you've taken the time out of your day to spend a little bit of time with us We want to wish you continued success with Paradigm Shift as well as your latest album, Magic Mirror. And we look forward to new stuff coming down the pike, but we're going to continue to enjoy that stuff that you just gave us. So thank you so much, Carol, for your time today. Well, thank you again. I've enjoyed talking to you. And sorry, I just like, oh, I can't think. (laughs) That's no, that's quite all right. It's totally fine. We just we really enjoy you taking time with us today. Oh, well, thank you so much. All right. Everybody be sure to save the dates for the 2023 Fresh Coast Jazz Festival, August 25th and 26th at the Paps Theater in Milwaukee. Be sure to follow us on Facebook or visit our website for upcoming lineup announcements. That's our show for this week. Be sure to check out our website, freshcoastjazz.com, to sign up for our email list so you can stay up on what's going on with contemporary jazz. We'll see you next time on Fresh Coast Jazz Backstage.